space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're at a pretty exciting stage. We've got a brand new Star Trek show to talk about. But before we do that, we're going to carry on with the the temporal Cold War, as we we promised we would do. But I think it's fair to say we've hit a bit of a a bit of a stumbling block in the temporal Cold War with this one. Yeah, it's sort of like. I think with this episode, you sort of think, now, this was a really bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) But we've started, so you're going to come across bad episodes every now and again. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and this is a stinker. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great, is it? So we're we're talking about two days and two nights from um, season one of Enterprise. And, yeah, it's only very very loosely linked into the temporal cold war really yeah i think if we'd i think if we'd watched them all first we might have done this slightly differently but we've had, but we're covering every single episode of the temporal cold war that's the plan yeah so yeah so so we we've watched this one so you don't have to when you do your rewatches <laughs> Yeah, so let's get stuck into this one then. So it's it's late season one, uh, penultimate episode, I think, before we go yeah, into... Yeah, penultimate episode. And, you know, we've talked about Enterprise and how it, you know, it wasn't necessarily as popular and it, it took a while to find its stride and everything. And I think this episode is a perfect example of that. This is... Well, this is an example of why it struggled to get an audience. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I am a huge Star Trek fan. I'm sure anyone who listens to our show on a regular basis can tell I'm a huge well, Star yeah. Trek fan, and I struggle to rewatch this. Yeah, it's. I mean, I can see why like Enterprise didn't keep the viewers because we we've covered a couple of decent ones, but. When you put an episode like this out, it's not going to make you want to watch the next week. It's like the next episode, I haven't really watched it yet, but we have it coming up. And it's a big budget episode. Yeah. And they used to split budget through the season to save some money. But even saving some money doesn't excuse this episode. No, I don't. I don't think it does. I mean, there's just nothing to the plot, really, is there? But we'll. Is it a plot? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, we'll we'll do our best to go through it, though. So, uh, the idea is they've gone to Ricer. So obviously, we know Ricer from Captain's Holiday and from that pretty bad episode of Deep Space Nine. Maybe there's a bit of a Ricer curse, but then, then Captain's Holiday was a good one. So Captain's Holiday was a good episode. I enjoyed Captain's Holiday. Maybe they've just not managed to to do it right since. But yeah, so they're at Ricer, and there's there's sort of a few almost callbacks to Captain's Holiday because it's got the you know you need a vacation to Paul says to Archer. Yeah. Now. It said, oh, I don't know if I should go the rest of the crew, which goes, we did it, we pulled, pulled lots and you and you won. Yeah. Which is fair enough. And it says, well, it's half the crew. Like, but we don't see half the crew. We see two shuttle pods launch. Yeah. And a shuttle pod um, can only carry one pilot and six, uh, six passengers. Yeah. And we see the captain's shuttle pod... And another shuttle pod. So there's 12 people we see go down to the planet. Yeah, maybe they did a couple of trips, though. They maybe, might, uh... but all we see is his command staff. I'm going to say, I was the thinking... The bridge crew, apart from T'Pol, is chief engineer. Yeah. If I was one of the crew members, I'd be shouting, what a fucking fix this yeah, is. Yeah, it does look like a fix, <laughs> doesn't it? Like, oh, here we are. All the senior staff. What about Dr. Flox? Well, he's hibernating, so he ain't bothered. Yeah. And oh, in fact, if you want to try and put, you know, I'm not suggesting there was any racism on the Enterprise, but it's funny how the alien senior officers don't get an holiday, but all the human ones do. <laughs> but you know, yeah, I thought that. I thought, yeah, if I, you know, if I were at a meeting at work and they said, right, 
were drawing lots to see who gets a day off tomorrow and it were my manager, their manager, all the senior managers and rest of us were just left at work, I'd be like, hmm. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm not convinced by that, but, yeah. And then, yeah, it's basically, they're all going down. We've got sort of three separate storylines. Like, you've got Reed and Tripp who are going on the pull, which is just awful. I mean, the... Yeah, it's cringeworthy. It, it really is. I mean, they've been... It, it's like... I mean, I don't think Reed's the best written character anyway, but it's... It's like any good writing for them's just gone out the window and they're just being totally laddish. Like, here we are, look at them aliens, whoa. Yeah. And all this stuff. Fair enough, that's what they want to do. And then Hoshi, you've got who she wants to go and brush up on her languages, so she's not taking the Universal Translator. And then you've got Archer. She's doing the the cultural visit, isn't she? Yeah. She's sort of learning about writer instead of what everyone else does, which is fair enough. I think that's a fair standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got Archer who just wants... He says he just wants to go and read a book with his dog and... Um, to Walk Paul. on the beach. Yeah, so he just wants a nice relaxing holiday. And Paul gives him a book on Surak to read, which I've not read any Vulcan philosophy books firsthand, but I imagine that they're pretty heavy going. Yeah, I could imagine that being pretty heavy reading when you want him so, to relax. I, I don't know. Is Paul winding him up a bit there with this? You know, is it a bit of a... Bit of a laugh she's having giving him this book. I mean, yeah. anyway, so that that's as that's as set up for it. And then, meanwhile, back on the ship. Oh, I forgot about Mayweather. Sorry, I forgot about Mayweather's um, big storyline, which is he's off to climb a mountain, but the mountain changes while you're climbing. Which yeah. sounds sounds interesting. You know, I can imagine. Um, I'm thinking that that. It ain't actually changing, he's just climbing up so it's not the same piece of mountain anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've moved. It's changed, it's not the same as it was. <laughs> yeah, this bit's not the same as that bit. <laughs> but like he's... maybe he's used to climbing walls from Yeah, it's exactly the same. And it's like Oh, it hasn't got proper hooky hand grips all over. No, you know, you might not be a million miles away because we know that he's, like, been raised on ships and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe he's just used to climbing bulkheads that are exactly <laughs> the same. But then, you know, I was thinking about it in terms of, like, the idea of it's a rock and it changes. I, I could see that being a thing in the future because you... I remember, have you seen that documentary, that free solo, where it's the guy who climbs El Capitan? Yeah. And it's all about, like, they plot it out, don't they? They're like, right, this is the bit where you've got to put your hand here and you've got to spin round and do this. And uh, so I could imagine that people who are into rock climbing in the future, if this technology exists, that could be a challenge, a mountain that adapts and things. So you can't sort of pre-plan your route. You've just got to go and use your skills and everything as you... Yeah, but it's like we say with Mayweather, he's been brought up on transporters, so it's, I think it's fair to say he's seen a couple of alien worlds, but he hasn't spent a lot of time on alien worlds. Yeah. He's... So it's not going to... Uh, not even a lot of time on Earth. So I can't imagine where he's become an experienced mountaineer. No, that's a good point. And also, like, the gravity thing, surely it'd be a problem if he's been raised in lower gravity. You don't want to be yeah. trying to climb a rock where you've got the full force of gravity acting on you. Yeah. Um, which is probably why he ends up having an accident. And this is the thing that makes it all weird because he's like, oh, yeah, and the handholds all changed as well. It's like, hang on a second. They cannot have a tourist attraction where you're there, you're climbing up, you've got your handholds, then they just change and you fall off. Like, no, it, that, it, it, people would be dying by the yeah, thousands on Ricer if that were... It's moved, and it's expected it to be, like, a, a, the same as a bulkhead. <laughs> I think that is exactly what's happened, and it's just shocked that a, a mountain isn't... <laughs> isn't just exactly the same. He thinks same, it's like... Yeah. 
thinks it's going to be like a Toblerone, like it's all just perfectly triangular yeah. and perfectly yeah, flat. It. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I might go with you there because yeah, otherwise the it I doesn't know, make a lot of sense. I know the Federation's not litigious and stuff, but the Ferengi are the them to yeah. all hell, wouldn't they? You know, if there was stuff like this going on. <laughs> Or Klingons trying to climb the mountains. It, it won't yeah. be very honourable changing your handholds yeah, on you halfway like, through. Like this, this is the first surf ship that's actually been to Riser, So yeah, it's maybe they didn't expect them but, to use the mountain. Maybe they were like, "Look, you know, but, we've, we've got all but these." I think, I think it's a tourist planet because it's sort of established. It's already a tourist planet. They're not gonna have a tourist attraction that injures you your guests no you wouldn't have thought so <laughs> but yeah so we'll put that down to Mayweather Mayweather's got it wrong there it's now to do with Mountain yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah so back on the ship Flox is gonna hibernate and he says he, he does he say he needs about six days or he, he says I should have six but two will do a, a, a pinch or yeah. some, something like that yeah and that that leads to some quite funny stuff later on um Back on Ricer, then, we get this thing with Archer, and Paul Foss starts barking at there's this little scruffy, yappy dog on the on a balcony across the way sort of thing, and I don't know whether that's meant to be like an alien-looking dog or whether it's just a really funny-looking dog. I think it was meant to be like an alien-looking dog. Don't you think it had similarities to that one from, um, oh, what's the episode when... Kirk gets split. Oh, the enemy went. within. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, it looks very similar to that dog that they found. Well, I think that one had a little horn though, or something, didn't yeah, it? it did, but but you, you, you know what I mean? That they do just do silly things to add. Yeah, it could. It could well be actually. Yeah. I, I think it was meant to be alien. I don't think it's meant to be an Earth dog. I'm gonna say because anyone who gets the dog groomed to look like that needs yeah needs some sort of intervention. I think if that's meant to be a normal dog. Um, so then you've got Reed and Tripper on the pole, and this is the bit where they're sort of going, oh, I, there's some aliens, ooh, they got loads of eyes, and oh, you can't tell whether it's a man or a woman, and all this, and you're like, what is this? I mean, yeah. just, what are we watching? It's like, and also, that's Rich coming from Trip, who didn't he get pregnant a couple of episodes ago? Yeah. So he should have a bit more sensitivity to alien mating cultures and things like that. <laughs> you know, but oh, it's just awful. It's like men behaving badly, the Star Trek it's, it's, version. It's, it's awful writing and it's played badly. Yeah, it is. You're right. They don't sort of salvage it or anything. And yeah, Porthos is having... Yeah, the next thing is Porthos, suddenly this dog's on the balcony... And I suppose we can put that down to when we find out a little bit more about who this woman is, that maybe she's put the dog on the balcony as a way of uh, sort of, you know, making an overture to get to know Archer kind of yeah. thing. But, it, like, Archer's just like, oh, your dog's over. It's like, hey, well, did it jump? I mean, how, yeah, is, how, did it how do you think that dog got there? That's just insane. Well, maybe it can uh, climb the changing mountains. Ah, uh, maybe it can. Yeah, maybe the balconies changed and they were they were together <laughs> for jumps. a minute. That's it. It just yeah, it just walked across and then it went back yeah. to how it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was a changing balcony. There you go. You see, we're learning a lot about Ricer more than we thought we would out of this episode. Um, and then he meets this Kayla woman who she's sort of got a, a markings are a little bit sort of like a trill. Like yes, on the sides of the head, but they seem to like join a, a belly button or something. Whereas, as we know from Deep Space Nine, trill markings go all the way down, so not yeah. actually a trill, but yeah. And it, it, it kind of they basically arrange a date where she she's like, oh, I can't do it tonight, but maybe tomorrow. Which don't make a lot of sense given what we find later on. She's been. Effectively, she's trying to get information out of him, or she thinks she's trying to get information out yeah. of him. So why would she go? Oh well, you're only here two days. I won't. I won't see you tonight. I'll wait while tomorrow. Like it, it, when you when you find out what's going on with her, it doesn't really make a well, lot of sense. Well, the whole thing doesn't make a lot of sense. True. It's it. It's a. It is a bad episode. Like we're having a bit of a laugh because of Mayweather, but. 
anyone listening to this, please, 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 don't think it's a funny episode. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, we, we've had to add the humour to it yeah. to, as a way of kind of getting through it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then you've got the bit with Hoshi. Now, I think out of all of it, this is possibly the best of the storylines. Like... You get this quite nice scene where she's talking to a Ryson couple and she's using their language and there's sort of an interesting idea there raised where she said, can you talk slower? And he says, no, we can't talk slow because if you do, it'll change the meaning of it. Yeah. And that's an interesting idea about language and infliction and, you know, things like that. So I like that the sort of delving a little bit more into the idea of other cultures having different sorts of languages. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not saying this is like Darmok level sophisticated delve into it, but at least they're trying, there's something there. Yeah, but they don't show how she's learnt this language. She's just suddenly, she's been on the planet overnight. Well, yeah, I mean... but it, So she's been there overnight, so she, and she's speaking the bloody language fluent. Well, like, I know that we're, we're told to accept that she's good at languages, but I think even for somebody who's exceptional at languages, to be fluent at another language It's very quick, is, yeah. I mean, that's always been the thing with Hoshi, hasn't it? Like, the, it's always shown her to kind of pick stuff up at the drop of a hat. But, yeah. but yeah, I think it is... It, yeah, it's kind of like them um, them adverts that you see where it's showing an app or something and it says process speeded up for advertising purposes. It's good. We, yeah. We're kind of seeing Hoshi's language learning speeding up for dramatic purposes a little bit in this one. And you, you get this bit and I think what it's trying to do is it's um, trying to be a bit of a fake out with the guy that she meets. Because it makes it look like this guy's going to be a bad guy, like he, you know, he's ear-wigging on the conversation. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's setting it up as though, ooh. And you expect maybe one of these subplots where, I don't know, like the the guy's realises she's really good at languages, so he's going to kidnap her to speak to an alien that he needs. You know, that's what I was expecting. There's there's some sort of ulterior motive. Yeah, and obviously we don't get that. Um, meanwhile, we read and trip. They they meet these two women, and it all turns out that it's a big setup. And they you know they take them downstairs to what looks like a wine cellar or something. And yeah, turns out the the shapeshifters and they're there to nick the stuff. Oh, got, I don't think the shapeshifters. I think they've got a device that. Oh, is it like sort of, um, that? That changes the that cloaks them. Yeah. Them changes the appearance right but even that's really it's just all I mean it's very naff isn't it but but yeah so they they get stripped down to their underwear now this is legitimately quite funny is that under these swanky suits that they're wearing they're both wearing like standard issue Starfleet underwear yeah you know they've, (laughs) they've not even put the posh underwear on when they're out on pull sort of thing it's like really And I think there is a little bit of a... There's kind of a subversive thing going on here in that you've got the two storylines where you've got the men going down on the pole and they end up humiliated, whereas you've got Hoshi who has a consensual sexual relationship with a guy and it's presented in a very sex positive way. You know, there's no sort of judgment, there's no slut shaming on it. So, if we were to give the episode credit for something, it's at least it's not conforming to gender stereotypes. You know, it, in another version of this story, Reed and Trip would wake up with the two women in bed with them and it'd be like, let's never talk about this again, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, whereas Hoshi would get scammed over by this guy. And so, at least the. Yeah, because the guy goes. Um did I trick you into anything? She goes, no, not at all. <laughs> no, exactly. Like she, she, so, completely consensual. She's enjoyed herself, had a, good, had a fun night. Yeah, and it, and there's nothing... It, the, the programme doesn't imply, there's nothing by any of the characters to imply that there's anything wrong with this behaviour. And, of course, there isn't. No. But in a lot of TV drama, 
you know, you would yeah. you would almost so, expect that. So it, it's almost quite forward thinking in that respect. Yeah, and the guy had there was no ulterior motive. There was no alien. She didn't get kidnapped or no, anything. No, I mean, he, out an alien, which would have actually helped the episode. <laughs> At least something would have happened. Yeah, he uh, does pull a bit of a a classic sort of come online where he's like, oh, there's no word for it in my language. And, you know, where he kisses her and it's like, oh, very smooth, very smooth. Yeah. But, yeah, fair play. Um, and there's some funny scenes where Flocks wakes up and he's got to try and treat Mayweather. Like, there's some humour humor going on there as well. And then... It's, it's possibly one of the few redeeming parts of the episode is the Flocks moment. Yes, then that's not bad. It'd have probably been alright as a B-plot in an episode that had a bit more going on, you know. Yeah. Um, then I paused it when this happened to see how long into the episode we were. And Kayla mentions the Sullivan to Archer 29 minutes into the episode. So, yeah, you know, because I was thinking, have we got the wrong episode here? And, yeah, because you know, she, start, she starts asking him for information. Or, or sort of turning the conversation, asking where have you been, what do you know about the Sullivan? Yeah. And he scans her and sends her, her data, DNA up to the ship. Yeah. And it's these guys that he got, him and uh, Mayweather got help. Yeah, it's by. from um, Detained, yeah. But, so he's he tweaked what's going on, that she's tried plugging him for information. So she drugs him, and she's gone and that's it. Yeah, and that's it. There's nothing. It was... Like, after I'd finished the episode, I got Wikipedia up to read the synopsis just to see if I'd missed something. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe Netflix had skipped or something, but no, it... it so, so she's put, plugging in for information. Yeah, and he it says... It tricks what's going on, it tricks what she is. So she drugs him and goes... Yeah, and... And he wakes up and goes back to the ship. Yeah. And that's and, it. And that's and it. don't even mention it to anyone that she drugged him. He goes no. in a relaxing sleep. Yeah, and it's it's not even like, right, so that species is still a problem. We need to go back to that planet to see what's going on now. Yeah, or we need to be wary of this species in future. Or... Yeah, and, and Archer doesn't learn anything else about the Temporal Cold War than what we knew before. Though she does say, like, he says... Oh, you know, you you know about the Temporal Cold War. And she says, oh, it's no secret. And so, well, wait, it is. It's it's a secret Temporal war Cold War <laughs> that nobody knows about. That's the whole point of it. It if it wasn't a secret, you know, the yeah. fed, the Federation, the Vulcans, the Vulcans that don't even believe in time travel. So it's not even a big enough thing on their radar for them to worry about it but the Klingons the Romulans everyone would be going right well we need to do something about this but no apparently it's no secret according to her but none of the big players in the galaxy know about it yeah it it just it makes no sense but but this is all like this is the only mention to the Temporal Cold War in the whole episode. It this is, is yeah. part why it's so annoying now it's listed as part of the Temporal Cold War. But it is. I mean, we, unless this woman, uh, Kayla, comes back and she's an important part of the story going forward, then we could have easily skipped this episode. Yeah. And I, I can't remember perfectly. Now, I think I've watched all of Enterprise about twice... I've watched it two. Um, I've watched it a few times. Which you know, it's it's the one I've watched the least out of all the Star Treks. Um, and I can't hand on my heart definitely say she doesn't come back, but I don't remember I, her. Well, I don't, but I I can also say like as you know, last year I started doing the chronological watch through with Star yeah, Trek. Yeah. So I did we watch all of Enterprise for that. Yeah. And I couldn't remember this episode. My brain has consciously forced it out. Well, it, it's probably because there's not a lot to... There's nothing... It, like, re-watching it, I've had to re-watch it a couple of times because it literally wasn't holding my concentration to watch it. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it, was, it was hard work to actually sit and watch the episode. It is, a str- and it's a very strange one to do just before the first season finale. Yeah. You know, you want to keep people engaged, you want to keep people interested, and 
There's just nothing yeah. to it. I mean, as an avid Star Trek fan, I found this really difficult to sit through and because it was just so boring. There's it is nothing. That's the thing. It's boring. It's it's not offensive. It's not. It's not so bad. It's good. It's just a nothing, nothing it, it, episode. It's complete. It's so boring. None of the stuff. There's three, four different stories yeah. going on. And not one of them is actually really interesting. No, I agree. And yeah, it's just there's just not a lot to it. But yeah. hopefully, um, the next episode, Shockwave, which we'll cover in our next episode, will be a bit more interesting. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna move on now and talk about the first episode of Lower Decks. So, if you've not seen Lower Decks yet. We're going to play you a red alert siren, and that's your cue to pause the podcast until you have seen that episode. Welcome back then. So for those of you who have seen the first episode of Lower Decks, we're going to talk you through that, and we're joined for this by Dr. Squee. Hello. Glad to be here, guys. Yeah, so... Brand new Star Trek to talk about, and it just dawned on me when we were prepping for this episode that this is the first time ever that we've had two brand new Star Trek shows in one year. We've had Picard and Lower Decks, and we're also going to get a new season of Discovery, but two brand new shows and a new season of an existing one. Not bad, really. Well, it's it's good. And it's like, it's it's not... Like I, I don't want to uh, do down any of the previous Star Treks, which I love because I love, uh, like even Voyager, which I know you guys aren't too much a fan of. I, I still love it in some way. I like, I like, I like Voyager actually. I don't mind Voyager. Everyone thinks I hate Voyager, but that's right, not right. fair. My, my point I was going to make is like when you had three Treks, like I, I think it was almost that you had Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager. They were almost in production at the same time. I know. Um, next gen ended before a Voyager just yeah yeah it felt like at that time to do that they sacrificed some quality in some certain areas and it kind of like I think there was it suffered a little bit from that to begin with I feel like now uh, each production is treated as its own thing there is no kind of sacrifice to make sure you're pumping out more and more I think it's taken so seriously it's so wonderful to, to see this volume of Star Trek done so good and in so many different ways it's, it's great yeah, I think you're right. So I think what was going on there is you were, you were having 26 episodes of TNG, you were having 26 episodes of DS9, and then, as you say, when TNG ended, Voyager took over. Yeah. And there was a lot of crossover between the writers' rooms as well. And you sort of felt sometimes like the DS9 writers' room would kick a story about, and then if they couldn't find a way to make it work, they'd go, oh, give that one to Voyager, and vice versa. And so you ended up for a time with very kind of cookie cutter episodes and I mean you talk about you know not wanting to um, slag off an episode of Star Trek whereas the first half of this episode that's pretty much all we've been doing with an episode of Enterprise but <laughs> I, I didn't say individual episodes I said but yeah, yeah. but, but the, the one we've just covered is a perfect example of just nothing just a nothing episode you know and I think also with the shorter seasons, we're not going to get that as much when you've only got 13 episodes or 10 episodes in this case to tell your story. Um, there's not as much room for the water to... run out of ideas, or you shouldn't run out of ideas in a season. You shouldn't, no. So, and I think it's like that there's no fear also of what they used to do is whenever they had a new Star Trek, it's like, oh, let's do our version of the naked time, the naked now. Yeah. Let's do our version of yeah. this, the trial one. There's no worry about that because they are such a unique version. Like Picard is about a man returning back to space after all these years. There were some mistakes in the first series, which I won't get into now, but it was at least had its own drive. Mm. Uh, Lower Decks is obviously a cartoon version, which we'll get into in a second. And you've got Discovery, which is a very kind of like serious take on the final frontier. And it's done uh, in a uh, building story. So there's no, they're, they're so different. You couldn't really cut and paste an episode from one of the previous shows and just make it a copy. It just wouldn't work. No, that's it. That is the difference. And uh, I think the, the producers have come out and said that, that each one must have its own identity whereas Voyager, you know, pretty much was there to fill the next generation well, shit hole and then well, Enterprise... They got, they, got stuck, they got stuck in a hole 
of just operating in one timeline, one universe. Instead of like here, we see we're jumping a bit about all over. Like yeah. we have discovery that's set before TOS. We've got Picard that's set after everything else that we've seen. Yeah. We've got Lower Decks now, which is set just after Nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got three different time zones. This like Lower Decks is set before Picard. Yeah, it is. But they are, they're all doing it slightly differently and. Yeah, that, that's the mistake they made with Enterprise, which I know you guys have already talked about this episode, but the, the mistake they made was they said in a different time zone that should have been a really great reason to make it so different. But over time, they just fell back on using traits they'd used before, discovering aliens early, but fudging the timeline. So it's like, oh, no, they met a Ferengi, but they never said they were Ferengi. So, ah, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, that worked. When you got the Ferengi in season one, you thought, yeah, the, this show has problems now. The, they've not thought this through yeah like like Enterprise had so much scope they had the scope to do the Romulan war and all like we've gone over this we're not but we're not talking this episode about what was wrong with Enterprise (laughs) we've done that (laughs) for the first half Uh, so yeah let's look at Lower Decks then so the first episode is called Second Contact and yeah let's just do first impressions then so Elliot what's your your take on it so far. Right. I did find it laugh out loud funny. Like, they said it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. But I have no... It it was humorous, but I have no problem with that because it was a proper Star Trek episode. It felt like I was just watching something from the next-gen era, slightly later. It felt like a proper episode of Star Trek and proper Star Trek stories. That episodic thing that we've been saying we want to go back to. Yeah. That's a fair point. Squee, what was your take on it? I know you've just recently watched it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anything, actually, I'd originally... I, I take Elliot's points very well, but I'd originally seen it the, the, the reverse of that. It's like, uh, with the animated series of the original series, that felt like it was just continuation. It was still, like, just Star Trek usual business, but just done in animation form, so they could, like, expand yeah. their budget to the budget of the mind a bit more. Whereas this feels like they've just gone, like, look, how do you put Star Trek through a funhouse prism? How do you make it uh, like a bit like a Rick and Morty-fied version of yeah. Star Trek? So there's all that love for Star Trek. You've got all the little nods, like you see one of um, Wesley's buddies with the little thing with the throat. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look the same. That's just in the queue. They never get mentioned. They're just there. So it gives you that kind of Trek love. But it's like... And like I think calling the first episode Second Contact like really just says what it's about. It's like you're not gonna have like those um big sexy episodes. You're gonna have the people who have to do the grunt work and how can we get humor out of that? Like, you know, there's so many functions which the Federation and Starfleet have to do that would be boring and wouldn't be right to put in an episode of Next Gen or any of the other shows. But it's so much fun to do in this. It's like, you know, they've got to go down to planet after they've been met. They've got to, like, uh, put everything else in place. And you just get to have fun with that. Like, I love the credits where it's like a classic Star Trek opener, but everything's going wrong. Yeah. Like, they, they, the they, credits are brilliant. Them up. They're running away from it. You know, yeah, I really like that. I, I just, I like the nod to Voyager in the credits where they're flying over the ice planet. Yeah. And the catch <laughs> and then the cell goes off (laughs) yeah I enjoyed that I thought that was very good and yeah there's and they've got like the alien attached to the ship like you got in uh, what is it called Galaxy's Child and yeah so I I did enjoy that and I like the fact that um, all the fonts and everything it's like the TNG font and everything it's very much kind of placing it it sounded like uh, a proper tribute to TOS and TNG yeah, the music but for me like, done more successfully than in Discovery because Discovery I, I don't like the fact they try to be kind of like it and then they depart from it and they go back to it that's just a bit messy this was just a straight up tribute to that yeah, yeah. Without being I think this the music in this sort of has its own identity more than Discovery or Picard do because they're I don't know they're just very I know they're going for a different style. Um, it's very orchestrated and them yeah. shows. And the, the try, I, I think you're almost trying to be too clever with them. Maybe, if yeah. If that makes sense. The card ones grew on me. I think the Discovery one, just to, to me, it's too much... Um, like, yeah, the drawing board and everything, it just doesn't feel very Star Trek to me, whereas, mm. you know, Picard, it, it did grow on me. It, it's not 
ideal, but it's kind of it's okay. And this one just feels like it was all got all that Star Trek love, but with the fun you want of a uh, family animation, even though they're swearing in it, it feels like you could be yeah, I mean, the kids down in front of him, you could just have fun with them. I mean, there's a few things about like you know, people talking about sort of who's this aimed at and everything, and I want to touch on them at the end of it once we've kind of gone through the episode, but. Like, I love, straight away at the start, you've got the space dock, which is a very iconic Star Trek from the movies, from Next Gen, where, you know, it was reused from the movies, but never mind. Um, <laughs> so straight away, it's something recognisable, and even the ship, I know it's a different design that we've not seen before, but it is clearly of a piece with the next-gen era ships. You it, know. it clearly fits into that universe. It does, yeah. It looks to yeah. me like... Well, um, I, don't, I, I don't know if you noticed when they're around um, the Starbase and they've got a couple of ships. There's Voyager and then there's another ship in the... Well, there's three ships, but one of them is just your ship turned upside down. How is that? And they're basically taking the mickey out of how a lot like in DS9 now they just put little bits of other ships together oh, God, to yeah. make a fleet of different ships yeah. <laughs> so they just turned one upside down that it's a different class fair play yeah <laughs> oh. which I thought was quite funny yeah I'd not noticed that but yeah that's it. that is a good a good gag on the fact that the ships are always the same way up and everything Um. So, yeah, I mean, we're not going to kind of break it down in the detail we do with a normal episode because, to me, that seems to be missing the point a little bit. You know, this is meant to be fun. It's it, I don't think it's meant to be taken as seriously, and I know some people will, and um, we'll kind of touch on that at the end as well. But, uh, but yeah, the, there's some really good fun stuff like... Right at the opening, I like the fact that you've got him doing a captain's log, even though he's not the captain. And I imagine that's the sort of thing that a lot of ensigns would do. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I'd pretend I were doing captain's logs and stuff, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine junior Starfleet officers doing that. And I like, you know, I like the fact that she rumbles him doing it and takes the pace and she's swinging around the bat left and everything. Well, she's obviously, like, she is pissed, isn't she? Oh, yeah, She's on yeah. shore leave as well, so... It's but not I, like she's on... Like, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of uh, reviews on this and you've got two sides. You've got the people who... The haters and you've got the people who love it. Hmm. But you've got all the haters going, no, she, why is she drunk on duty? She isn't on duty, she's on shore leave. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the thing. Like, I think the I can I can absolutely understand people who don't enjoy it if it's not their cup of tea, whatever. I wasn't sure first time that it was for me, but I think pulling it up on the realism of it, if you like, is a bit silly. You know, yeah. it, to me, it, that's not what this is about. But I mean, to to me, what what's beautiful about it is it reminds me of uh, an interview which I did with someone from G South, and it doesn't matter. But like, uh, we talked about how like the main star is kind of the cool, sexy looking Mountie. Who, when we watch it, we like to think we are like, and in Star Trek, we like to think we're the captain mm. and the crew, you know, on the bridge, and we like to think we're those people. And then you get these kind of like uh, characters who are low down the totem pole in terms of rank and stuff. And you realise, no, that's me. That, that's what oh, I'd be yeah. like. Yeah. I'd be in the closet pretending to do a captain's log, getting drunk on shore leave, getting pissed on Romulan uh, whiskey, not ale, which I kind of yeah. thought was a fun touch. Uh, I think that's that's what these shows do. It's like it is a um, it's a bit of a better mirror for who we are rather than who we want to pretend to be, which is a fine thing to see as well. But it's nice actually to see us really, you know, like it's what The Simpsons did for family shows. It's like it showed... Well, yeah, this, obviously we love to think of ourselves as yeah. these wonderful, all-got-it-together families, but really, we're the Simpsons, we're not the... Uh, yeah. Simpsons. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's... Yeah, this is kind of the real people who keep the ship running, whereas what we usually see are the heroes who do all the, the fun stuff, you know. But, yeah, it is a different and interesting sort of take on it. And, I mean, there's loads of, like, sight gags and stuff, like, particularly, like, the uh, the replicator where it's going, banana, hot, banana, hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure 
that we've had a similar joke to that in the original series, like where the not the replicators, whatever they were in the original series, the food thing is with the tri- with the triples. The, well, the there triple was the triples, triples but it isn't yeah, the we had one it with the triple episode and Kurt's going. Where's my chicken sandwich? <laughs> yeah, it isn't the one though where it's only doing soup or something, you know? So it's oh, yeah, yeah. I think I know the one you mean. Yeah, it's, I think it's Kirk again. He's like this is not like, like there's something else where he's kind of trying to. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure we've had a a variation on that before. So I you think know. it's in one of the animated series. Maybe when um, the Enterprise sort of the computer gets taken over. It could well be. Yeah. So you know. Joker. I like that this is the sort of thing that we, we've we touched upon before and it is kind of touching on things that fans have joked about and fans have talked about like, you know, where you've got in the holodeck she's got the all nude training facility and, yeah, and, and let's be realistic here <laughs> if we had access to a holodeck we could lock the door so we had a private room <laughs> we could create realistic people but it means nothing what are we actually going to do in there <laughs> well exactly this is it I mean this is something people have talked about regarding the holodeck and things like that ever since it was first brought in and it's quite nice to have it acknowledge it I know DS9 more or less said what were going on in the holo suites but but yeah it's a good a good and it's a good visual gag as well but, but that's what I want I don't I don't want their next generation but that fits perfectly here I, I, yes. I want the next generation to feel purer than pure I want like those uh, Starfleet ideals maybe tested a bit like they do in uh, DS9 and Voyager that's fine but it wouldn't feel right to have this kind of like a porno suite in, no, in the it, middle of next gen episode but it's perfect here. it's wonderful yeah. it's funny it's great yeah you're absolutely right and you know talking about Elliot was saying about like how you get your classic Star Trek thing in the midst of all this there is very much like an original series throwbacks you've got the the commander guy and he goes down to the planet and he starts itching and the camera zooms in on it and he's got this thing on his neck and it's dun 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 and that is very original series yeah, yeah. it shows you what's go- shows you what's going on yeah <laughs> and what i quite like about this is that you get the impression that that's the real adventure the thing with the black goo zombies or whatever they are that that's the main plot but we're seeing it through the eyes of the characters who don't matter as much so it's happening in the periphery to them yeah it's, it's that almost yes that's what i was gonna say yeah oh sorry sir. no 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 go ahead no, no, you have this. You go. Yeah, it's the there's an episode of Buffy called the Zeppo. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, yeah, we got Xander. Yeah, and it's there's an apocalypse going on, and Buffy and Angel are there having these big dramatic moments where you know they say, "I won't let you die again," and all of this stuff. And Xander's running around trying to stop these this guy who's brought zombies back or something, and. <laughs> The whole episode is from Xander's point of view, so all the big stuff is going on either just before he gets there or just after he gets there. And yeah. it, that's, I think, what we're doing here with this series. Yeah, and you kind of see those <laughs> moments from the episode taken out of context. So you get to see uh, Buffy and Angel scene out of context from the huge adventure they're ha- having while Zon- Sanders there doing the grunt work of sorting out this kind of zombie plague. And you, when you see a moment like that out of isolation, I bet you could paste that into another episode. It would just look like a part of the episode of Buffy. You put it so hammy, and it's the same thing here. It looks hammy in one thing, but if you put that in an episode of the original series, that would just seem like that's what they're doing this week. And I love that kind of showing it up for what it is kind of thing. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think that's one of the things for me is like I, I've deliberately stayed away from a lot of the discourse about this that's been going on online, and I imagine that there will be a lot of people saying this is not canon, this does not fit in, this has ruined Star Trek forever, and all of this rubbish. How but, is it not canon? Well, <laughs> to me, my take on this is that. It is canon. What we're seeing happened, but probably didn't happen exactly the way we're seeing it in this episode. Yeah. I, I think what we're getting is... We're getting the, the ensign's point yes, of view of it. That's it. We're seeing it from a subjective point of view, whereas, you know, 
all the rest of Star Trek we see we see as an objective observer, whereas this is this is a subjective one. Like the the scene where um, the commander and the other officer beam up from the planet, and they go, "Hey, let's go for a pint," and they're like chest bumping each other and everything. Now. I don't believe for a second that in the real, in inverted commas, Star Trek universe, that that happened. But I think this is what the Ensigns think happened when they got back from the planet. That's how they perceive those characters. Now, I don't know because we're also not looking at a flag... We're not looking at a flagship here, like TNG... Well, TOS, Enterprise was the flagship. Yeah. Oh, it was a hero ship. It controlled the whole sector. It was the only ship at the time. Uh, in Enterprise, Enterprise was the only ship. Uh, Voyager, to an extent, yeah, yeah. became the only representation for the Federation. DS9, they were the representation for the Federation where they are. These guys are second contact, so they're not on a hero ship. No. They're on, they're on a secondary ship. It's not a main ship in the fleet. It'll be just going around between a few places. No conflict should be going off around them and you've also got going to have officers that haven't made it onto these hero assignments are going to be posted to the ship so you're not going to have your your right your Riker style officers and your wharfs etc style officers because these guys aren't good enough to get them sort of postings they're only good enough to get a second contact class ship posting yeah. No, I, I, I completely take that on board and everything. I just, to me, the style of it is deliberately over the top and that doesn't feel real to me, but the way I rationalise that is going, this isn't a literal translation of what's happened. Sorry, Squeeze, go gonna, ahead. I've got to take three on that because I like both of those takes and both of those I would buy, but my personal one is slightly different. Uh, my idea is that it's more... Like like when you get on Next Generation or the original series where you get these huge big speeches which are given by Kirk or Picard and the ship can be literally blowing up like in all good things. You've got the ship blowing up in three timelines. Picard stops for a nice speech. Now that's <laughs> wonderful and we love to see it. Is it realistic that would happen that moment? Probably not. Now in that lens, it's seen through a dramatic lens. In this lens, it's seen through a cartoon kind mm-hmm. of like almost a, um, a Phineas and Ferblin, you know, whatever cartoon show on Nickelodeon you pick. Like they're, they're wonderful shows. They do have a plot to them, but they're done in a very kind of like big way. I think each of them, these are the events that are happening, but each of them is seen, seen through the prism of the style of drama. So one's yeah. done through a load of drama, one's done through a load of comedy. So I think they can all be happening just in their own little kind of like uh, take on it. So I'd love to see an episode. I don't want to see an episode where this crew takes responsibility for something that the next gen did, but maybe see one where one of them was in the Battle of Wolf 359 and there was well, another mission we never saw during that well, time. Like we have a flashback to that. That'd well, we've got, like from how Milner talks at the end of it, and she's bringing up people, she's bringing up uh, next gen, a lot of next gen crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said that she served on five ships and it's over a period of time. There's every chance she was on a Enterprise C when it crashed in Generations. Yeah, it could well be. I mean, they they have said, I believe, that they expect that legacy Star Trek characters will make an appearance at some point in this. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see a cameo from somebody or other. And obviously the, the great thing about that is... If it's a vocal cameo, you don't have to worry about the actor looking too old or whatever. Yeah, you could have oh. like you could have your Chekhov as really ancient. You, your Sulu. You could. Mayor Pitch. Riker comes on board. He's got a uh, a regular poker game. Captain Riker plays with the uh, first officer played by Jerry Connell. And like you see, yeah. every time you see Jerry O'Connell's character going past, he's got less and less clothes on that he's lost during the. He's got less money. He's trying to bum money at people. Like that would be one. Like that would be a natural, organic way of thinking in something we know. So something like that would be so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I would like to see that. I, I would like to see the the contrast where they interact with established characters and to see the take through the Lower Decks lens of the characters we know. I think that would be really interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the main sort of ins and outs of the plots then, you've got this thing with the 
the sort of black gooey zombies and meanwhile you've got the thing with Mariner and Bolmer Bolmer if I can I can't even say his name right down on the planet and she's giving uh, farming tools and everything to the little pig guys yeah he's been asked by the captain to spy on her yeah <laughs> and we find out later that that's because the captain's her mum yeah <laughs> which presumably that's gonna be a bit of a through line for the series I like that when she's talking to the admiral who's the yeah, dad yeah that's well, we tried throwing her in the brig and she enjoys that. Yeah, and he's, I've got to go and do Admiral things. But yeah, I mean, I think they're the laying the groundwork for some some interesting character dynamics here. Like, you've got Boilmer um, doesn't dobber in at the end. You know, he realises that what she did, even though it's technically off-book, she still did the right thing and everything. Yeah. And I quite... Well, the question about that scene. There, is it? Am I right in saying that there's some of the people on Lower Decks who worked on Rick and Morty as well? Yeah, the um, yeah. the the creator of it, um, McMahon, I think he's the Mike yeah, McMahon Mike, or Mike something. McMahon. Yeah, I think yeah, he was. He, he worked on Rick and Morty. That's why that's why he was brought in for Lower yeah. Decks. There was one shot where you had the uh, shuttlecraft, I think it was, running away from an alien. And I expect if they put it in, it looked exactly like a shot from the credits of Rick and Morty. So I think that was another yeah, one. Yeah, I, I think in the animation style, definitely bears yeah. a resemblance and everything. Well, like there was a dead on kind of like, that's definitely yeah. a specific nod to that. And I love that. It's just, because it, yeah, yeah, I mean, and you don't care about that, you can just ignore it. If, if you know that reference, you can see it. I love little Easter eggs like that. Oh, there's loads of little, like I spotted the second oh. time through. After they um, cure everybody of the the zombie thing, there's a quick shot of two guys, and one of them's got the black goo on his face, and it's done. It's the same um, sort of layout as Mirror Spock's goatee, so he looks like <laughs> the Mirror Spock for a second. You know, there's some lovely little stuff in it. There's loads of. There's so many Easter eggs. Like you see uh, someone in the background near the beginning. And she's walking in, she's got a, the same visor as Geordie on. Yeah, there were a, oh, couple, yeah. There were a couple of people. So that later on, there's somebody beams up who's got it. Um, suppose we, we should touch on the other two main characters then. So you've got uh, the Rutherford, is it? Who's the, yeah. got like the implants. I quite liked his character. Uh, I liked that it kept sort of defaulting to the Vulcan thing. So he was going, that is not yeah. logical. That's not logical. <laughs> It's oh sorry, it's a Vulcan implant. I can't help it, sort of. Thing. I, I enjoyed that, and I, I co- thought it was uh, quite funny when he was on his date and all the, all of his started kicking off, and they start going to do the job, but they carry on the date at the same t- same time. Yeah, like yeah, where they're, they're behind the table in ten four, well maybe ten forward, wherever it is on that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I quite liked him as a character, and then there's the the Orion lady. Um, what's her name? Entertendi. So she she seems to be the sort of the audience surrogate character. Like she's brand new to it, and she's sort of so excited. And then Mariner's like, "Oh no, nobody above this deck matters, and it's all down here." That's. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think they're off to a good start. I think with the dynamic yeah. between the four characters, like. Like some of the episodes felt a bit rushed, yeah. But it it's the first episode. It's a pilot episode. It introduced us to all our main characters. Mm-hmm. It introduced us to what in most shows would be the main characters, like with the captain, security officer, the doctor, mm-hmm. second office, first officer. It had three stories going, and it fitted it all into twenty six minutes. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, <laughs> You also get the end of the episode uh, where they had the. Um, she started naming, you know, like, yeah. uh, Chekhov and kind of uh, Pseudo and all these people. And I love the fact that in some of the shows you go, it's like, and they, they'll go, and Chekhov did this. And like, you know, they'll just put the name in, like, oh, wow, no one's going to know. And the guy just kept going, it's like, yeah, of course I know Chekhov. Of course I know Sulu. Like, Kirk's the most yeah. famous captain of Starfleet. Of course I do. What yeah. is that? She says Gary and Mitchell, and he says, well, I could look him up. Um, <laughs> what? I like when, I actually like when um, when you're on the planet and he's just been uh, suckled by this <laughs> spike cow and uh, he goes I hurt him she goes it's okay uh, doctor will just wave a light over you yes and I'm sure that in the future that's how you'd see it if you were yeah, in probably is. staff 
Yeah. Because everything they do, they shine a light over you and you're better. Yeah, it'd be the equivalent of saying, oh, they'll do, well, I'll just take a couple of tablets and I'll be fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah when, uh, when he gets fat left in the leg, it's like, a, yeah, like I could just picture a scene a second later, go, oh, for Christ's sake, we better get to the doctors before I bleed out, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, they need to get to the doctors in time, but it's not as big yeah. an issue as now. Yes, of course. Uh, going back to that sort of monologue she has at the end where she names everybody, what I like about that is that... It, what she says isn't entirely accurate like she says well Spock came back to life and he used the Genesis torpedo to defeat Khan and there were space whales and I love yeah. I love the idea of the fact that within the Star Trek universe people have heard these stories about the exploits but they've been exaggerated or they, they, they've well, got them well, wrong over the years well this would be years later than exactly. uh, of Khan now wouldn't it so but we would assume that then that a character within the Star Trek universe would go oh I know exactly what happened in Star Trek 4 but instead they know the bare bones of it but they've got a couple of the details wrong and yeah, it, yeah. so you probably that's... have a few experience who would know it pitch perfectly yeah. and then, like a few of the upper crewmen but like the, your average Joe like her would yeah. be it's like yeah yeah didn't he fight some space whales to defeat Khan or yeah, something yeah someone yeah. who did the dissertation on Spock could probably know but yeah, your average yeah, student that wouldn't. Make, that makes a lot. It makes a lot more sense for somebody who's. Does, she will know Starfleet history because she's bit, obviously been yeah. through academy, but she's obviously not massively interested in everything. Or it comes across that way. Yeah, she's I a mean, bit of a rebel, so she's not going to take a notice. So no, she'll exactly. heard the little bits and she's heard the exciting bits. And she's just putting all the exciting bits happen together. Well, exactly. It's like I can tell you roughly what happened on D-Day, but I couldn't tell you what stratagems and what formation the units went in and which hill was taken first. And all, you know, it, but someone who was a big historian could. So it, it it adds a layer of realism, even though this is in a a very heightened format it, it does add a bit of realism to the world and overall it 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 shows that it's not taking itself too seriously which i think is an important thing and that that's I, not i a, think it's not taking itself seriously but it's definitely star trek and it's probably more realistic than a lot of the other star yes. trek shows of how people actually would be yeah yeah I mean, yeah, I that's about knowing what it is. Oh, sorry, James. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's about knowing what it is. And I think if if the people who have got a problem with it on a realism front, like if you just don't like, you don't like it, that's fair enough. Like, but if what they're rubbing up against is the fact that it's not realistic enough, look at those episodes you love and you the should one, do from next to the series, all those other ones, and look how kind of ham-fisted drama it is especially the original yeah. series there was loads of kind of Shakespearean acting which is lovely but it isn't realistic well the you big one that picture this going in in the other direction of going for a comedic take it is like the actual events that happen can be happening but in a very heightened comedic way it's a big complaint of the hate of the haters and we're talking the midnight sedge group here and everyone's aware that we're not fans of <laughs> how they talk about stuff and their big gripe is that they didn't laugh out loud and it was sold to them as a comedy, so they hate it. <laughs> right. I mean, Which, that like, kind... I've, I've admitted, I didn't laugh out loud at this. Was it funny? Yes. But it wasn't laugh out loud funny to me. But was it good Star Trek? Hell, yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, that, that sort of I brings me need, on I to... I don't need Star Trek to be laugh out loud funny no and that's what good star trek and this is good star trek that does bring us on to what i said i wanted to talk about which is you know who, who is this aimed at really and i think the answer to this question will say a lot about how successful this show might be because yeah i agree i mean i, I think i did laugh out loud a little bit you know, but it, it wasn't gut-bustingly hilarious. It was it was nicely amusing throughout, and you yeah. know, I enjoyed myself. But what it does make me wonder is this funny enough to catch the the Rick and Morty sort of fans that they seem to be wanting to bring in? Is it funny enough to capture the imagination of people who are not Trekkies? And then, if the answer to those is no, is it? good enough as a Star Trek show to justify its existence in that context and 
will that work for hardcore Trekkies? Like, you know, will people who just want Star Trek for the everything else apart from the humour, will this be enough for them or will they just go, oh, well, I'm not really bothered for it, I'll stick with the other shows? And it does just make me wonder, It is it going to find its audience when it's kind of got a foot in both camps? What do you guys think? I think it's very early days. I think one of the big things we have to bear in mind here is this is has to be definitely looked as, as being a pilot episode because it's episodic, so you can't look at it. And I don't think you can look at Discovery and Picard in the same way because they're just one whole story. Mm-hmm. So if you look at this against TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and then this is Lower Decks, I think this is the strongest of the six pilots. Ooh. Okay. I mean, I, I think my take would be that uh, it, it reminds me of when the Oval came out because mm-hmm. that seemed like... I. I kind of agree with some of the criticism of the Orville, but I don't care because it's like some people said it's like, well, it's not quite funny enough to be one of the Seth MacFarlane's usual shows, but it's not, it like, it wasn't quite Star Trek enough to be kind of obviously the kind of taken the next generation that it was. But for me, it, it found its own ground as its own thing and then became something more. So I think this is kind of the same thing. If you like, if you're looking for something Star Trek, Star Trek is in. If you're looking for something funny, especially for younger viewers, I think they'll enjoy the kind of funny of it. I think like 18 year olds will find kind of some of the funnier bits funnier because they're kind of quite slapstick yeah and even younger if you feel comfortable putting your kids in front of it where it's got some swearing and stuff i think some older kids will be fun, like 15 year olds or you know maybe even slightly younger i think would be mm-hmm. fine in front of this bits that's up to you as a parent kind of thing but i think different people enjoy on different levels and i think amongst the different age groups they will have enough people and then it'll snowball and obviously it will find its own style i think it's already kind of from the first episode whereas the orville i think had to grow into its own kind of thing yeah uh, i i think this is pretty much out of the oven as what it's going to be and yeah i, I, I would, think i liked it on a few different levels i think other people will and i, I think it'll calm down this show i think it'll actually get funnier when it i think this first episode was rushed like i've said they were trying to do a lot in one episode of introducing everybody mm-hmm. and letting us see what one that was. I I think it'll be funnier when it calms down and it's not rushing from scene to scene to scene to scene to scene to scene to scene. Yeah, that I think that's my big takeaway from it is it was it was a bit too fast, a bit too hyper for me this first episode and I think yeah once it settles into its groove I, I want to see where it goes um, but but do you wonder if maybe that's purposeful I don't know maybe you're right yeah maybe it may well be kind of it, there's definitely a kind of chunk of this which is very Rick and Morty-esque mm-hmm. uh, but I think I think that's the people it won't please is people who have to be purest to one thing like I mean Elliot's obviously loved the Star Trek in it but I think Elliot would kind of agree that it's probably got some bits which aren't usual Star Trek yeah, uh, oh, yeah, but, definitely. But people who say, oh, it's just not Star Trek enough, you're never going to win those over. People who go, oh, it's after but, something like Rick and Morty and it's not Rick and Morty enough, it'll lose like, them. People who are happy with a mix will be happy with All the crowd that have been saying, like, of discovering Picard, that the, it's not Star Trek enough, that they want the TNG back, <laughs> this is it. So they've not an excuse anymore because this is definitely, in the TNG era, the shipping internally has the same technology, the same scenes as uh, TNG, the shuttlecraft are the same, they use the transport enhancers, the holodeck is the same. So they've got the TNG show, so they haven't got that excuse anymore. Is it Rick and Morty? No. But if I want to watch Rick and Morty, I watch Rick and Morty. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) But it's definitely a bit of a hybrid series, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think anyone who's a purist just won't be happy. Yeah, and that's my concern is that it might not find its audience, but you know the the good thing about the streaming model and everything that we use, uh, you know, is that we know this is getting a full first season. Regardless, it'll have a chance to find its feet. We know um, it's got a second season. It's been uh, there. We go picked up for two so, seasons. So yeah, so it's getting a, a fair crack of the whip and everything, and I hope it does. It does find an audience. So. We'll we'll come back and check out episode two next week. Is there anything you guys want to say about this one before we go? Uh, have we covered everything? Well, I mean, we could go over every single joke, but we we'll be here we, all like, day. I, I know there's been a lot of reviews, and they've literally done scene by scene dissections, and yeah. 
I, I think we've got a good flavor, but I just want to thank you guys. Like, it is always such a pleasure to break ground on new Star Trek. That's the kind of the most fun thing as well. Absolutely, yeah. Discuss it's, a brand new concept. You've it is. It's like, series, it's like we suck, we, we're in difficult times. None of us can get out much anywhere. We're not seeing <laughs> anyone. Yet we can still get together like this to talk about new Trek. Yeah. We've had some fun and we've been able a few days later to all get together and talk about how much we've enjoyed it. Yeah, and that, that is what... different ways. That is what's brilliant about the modern era as well, is that we can do this and we we can have access to these things so quickly. Um, speaking of which, there is good news on the horizon for um, international viewers who want to watch this. Um, I did put a post on our Facebook group about it, but the gist of the story basically is CBS and the creators and everyone are aware that the international distribution of this is non-existent at the minute. The reason for that, as with everything at the moment, is to do with um, the pandemic. And effectively, this was supposed to air after Discovery. And they had to swap them around because the post-production on Discovery was going to take longer. As a result of that, they were not far enough along in the negotiations to bring it to an international distributor. They should have had, you know, at least 10 more weeks to sort that out. Uh, 13 more weeks if Discovery had started. So there are talks. It will be, there will be international distribution of it. It's just a question of, of waiting for it, unfortunately. So there is some good news for everyone usually else. I, usually I do slam uh, studios for not, prepping these things enough in advance and like i think it's so stupid in the age where they know rightly or wrongly that people will part of waiting to release it worldwide but in this case you've got to give them you know the space because no one could predicted anything with the virus so anything which is screwed up by this anyone gets a pass for me because yeah you know, we all get stuff screwed up by this and yeah. I, I think it was quite nice that they were transparent about that being the reason well, for it as well who's come out and said it isn't he got yeah. who's on a he was interviewed and he, and he was very open about it. And that's the thing, you know, any distribution deal for a Star Trek show, with, you know, not beating around the bush, there's going to be a lot of money involved, there's going to be a lot of conversations involved, and that takes time, and they've effectively had 13 weeks of that time snatched away, so, yeah. Well, the, the, the good thing with it is, though, I mean, A, I'm glad they were honest with us, because now I give them respect. If they hadn't, I would have assumed this was them dropping the ball somehow. Now I know there's a very good reason for this, and yeah. they should do that. And also, probably from both perspectives of the Star Trek people and the stream people they're trying to sell it to, they will be motivated to get up as quickly as possible so they don't lose viewers to pirating. So this should actually gear along to come out. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully, absolutely. But, yeah, we'll be back to talk about episode two. Um if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, let us know what you think of the episode. Have a look on our Facebook page. Just search for Retrek. We're also on Twitter at RetrekPod. Or you can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. Thanks to Dr. Squee for dropping in, yeah? Just yeah. quickly before you go, I'm just thinking, like, you know, Elliot was mentioning there, we're in the age of streaming. So, you know, say if someone wants to put, put together an event, they could do it online without people being in person. And then um, I'm just remembering the earlier roots of Retrek and where it came from, coming from the uh, 24 hour streaming event I did, Squeefest. Uh, say, guys, and I'm just going to pretend I haven't already had a conversation with you. <laughs> say, I want to do another one of those, but say over video on the 19th and 20th of September from 2 p.m. to 2 p.m. UK time. Did you fancy Retrek coming on that? I think yeah, we could do I that. Think we yeah. could do that, yeah. I think we'd love to do that. Well, uh, maybe maybe some uh, details will be coming on the Retrek show soon, and uh, there's going to be loads of guest stars, maybe. I mean, obviously, I'm just thinking this on my feet and I haven't had this plan. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's caught us a bit off left field, but um, yeah, yeah, we yeah, can, yeah, you can pencil us in for that one. Um, <laughs> Raising money for NHS charities, by the way, which is uh, NHS Charities Together, which is coordinating all the NHS charities, especially in this time of COVID-19, to help the uh, staff and uh, volunteers. So they'll Yeah, be and I think we can we can say there at the, this moment in time there is no better charity to no, to contribute to. So yeah, we will see you there if not before. Um, thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the retrek. Thank you. Bye bye. Hello, thank you.